You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. It is Thursday, March 25th, and you're listening to Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Stephen Carr, and you can follow me on Twitter at SCARGO. That is at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. Now you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. And as always, you can rate and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you find your podcasts. Today on the show, we're going to preview Sweet 16 game against Creighton. Get to know their personnel, what they do, how they match up with Gonzaga. And then we'll also talk about Hunter Salas because his commitment is set for tomorrow. Um, If he were to commit to Gonzaga, which it sounds like he's going to, how does he fit in with next next season's roster? We'll get to all of that. But first, we're going to start today like we will every day with some news and notes around Gonzaga. Um, The game time for Sunday is set for 11 10 a.m. Pacific time at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Uh, The only reason I want to bring this up uh, is because I think it's interesting that Gonzaga is playing the early game and the USC-Oregon game is the late game. So uh, Oregon, whoever wins that game between Oregon and USC is going to be getting to bed probably well after midnight. Gonzaga is going to get the early game, probably an extra you know, six to eight hours of rest. So it'll be a very quick turnaround for USC and Oregon and a little bit longer of a turnaround, a little bit extra rest for Gonzaga. Will that play any factor? Who knows? But I think it's notable. Pepperdine. Pepperdine won the CBI championship last night. So good for Pepperdine. They beat Coastal Carolina pretty good. Uh, Kessler Edwards was named the MVP of the tournament. And in all likelihood, he's probably going to go to the NBA this coming offseason. So if he's gone, Colby Ross is probably gone after quite the career. So we'll see how the Pepperdine program goes from here without the two of them. Jesse Wade, the former... Gonzaga guard, uh, who is at BYU, he is in the transfer portal. Um, And I saw something crazy yesterday is that Jesse Wade committed to attend Gonzaga in the year 2013, and he still has at minimum one year of eligibility left. He turns 24 years old next week. Um, He committed to Gonzaga in 2013, graduated high school, went on a two-year mission. He was a freshman at Gonzaga in the 17-18 season. Um, and then he transferred over to BYU, had a redshirt year, was injured all of the 1920 season with a knee injury. Um, and they thought that it was actually career threatening, but he came back um, with some rehab. He ended up playing a little bit this year as a junior, uh, but not much. And now he's in the transfer portal. He says all of his options are open, including going back to BYU. Uh, technically, he's a grad transfer, but if he wants, he could take advantage of the free year, come back as a junior again next season, and still have two years of eligibility left. So wherever Jesse Wade ends up, he's had quite the eventful career, and he had quite the eventful time in the bubble as well. He got stuck on an elevator and had some social media fame with his uh, his whole team trying to rescue him from the elevator, which was um, kind of a fun video to watch. So best of luck to Jesse Wade. Tommy Cousy from St. Mary's, he's going to return next year um, to the Gales for his sixth year. Former walk-on, um, Tommy Cousy, 
he was their point guard um, after Jordan Ford uh, graduated two years ago, or I guess after last season. Um, Tommy Cousy was their main point guard this year. He was the only senior on the entire roster. So um, the entire roster is going to return next year. It was a very young group this year. It was hit hard by injuries and COVID. Um, they actually had a pretty good non-conference uh, slate. Um, I think they only lost two games. Um, and then they just they got hit with an injury bug. Alex Dukas, who was their best shooter, uh, was a starter. He got hurt. Lemmett Bockler, uh, he got hurt as well. And he never came back. So Dukas came back at the end of the season, but he was never really the same. So those were the two best shooters, and they desperately needed shooting as the season went on, and they never really got it. So... Um, they're going to get those two guys back healthy. They're going to get a year of development for the young guys, uh, Kyle Bowen, Judah Brown, Mitchell Saxon, who I think is going to be a really, really, really good big man for them. Um, he could be like a, a, the next Jock Landale by his junior and senior year. Um, and then Logan Johnson, he kind of became the star for them by the end of the season. Really good slashing ability. Started to score the basketball a lot more. Not the greatest shooter, um, but he's probably going to be their number one score next season. And then they're also bringing in uh, a four-star guard named Chris Howell uh, from Southern California. He's a 6'5 guard, uh, super, super athletic, really good defender. He's going to add an extra element for them. So St. Mary's, I would imagine, is going to be right back at the at the top of uh, the top three of the WCC next year, which is good for St. Mary's and it's good for the league. One last Drew Timmy stat. Uh, I gave a bunch yesterday, but I forgot this one. So I'm going to throw it in here. He is the first player since Derek Williams from Arizona in 2011 to have 30 points and 13 rebounds in an NCAA tournament game. And he's just the sixth player to do that since the year 2000. So Drew Timmy, 30 points, 13 rebounds. Only six players have done that in the NCAA tournament since the year 2000. He's one of them. So shout out to Drew Timmy. All right, that'll do it for the news and notes. Coming up, we're going to talk about Hunter Salas and how he fits into the Gonzaga program if he were to commit. And then after that, we're going to talk about Creighton. Get to know the Creighton Blue Jays. But first, a minute to talk about rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Hunter Salas making his commitment tomorrow, which is his birthday. Uh, He's a five-star combo guard out of Omaha, Nebraska. He's ranked number six in the country by 24-7 sports, and all of the crystal balls are now in favor of Gonzaga over Kentucky and his hometown school of Creighton. 
Um, the interesting thing is that his composite rating on 24-7 sports is actually higher than Jalen Suggs when Suggs came out of high school. So technically, this would be the highest rated recruit in school history, and that would probably be broken once Chet Holmgren um, commits to Gonzaga, which all signs point to that happening as well at some point here in the future. But for right now, we're going to talk about Hunter Salas. Um, he is an absolute freak athlete. I think he's bouncier than Jalen Suggs is, and I'm I'm not sure he's, he's as polished offensively as Suggs, uh, but he certainly has a incredibly explosive first step. He's a really, really, really good driver, uh, but he's not as big and he's not as strong. Um, and I think his shooting is probably right at that same level of Suggs where it's, it, it can be good, but it's a little bit inconsistent. Um, I, I think where Salas is going to make his money is on the defensive end. I think he has elite defensive pot uh, potential. Really, really quick hands. His lateral movement is great. Uh, I think he, he just has all the tools of a defensive player of the year type guy. And um, I think he's going to be able to get a ton, a ton, a ton of transition buckets just based off steals alone. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a point guard. I think he is truly a combo guard. And I think playing next to Andrew Nemhard will be massive for him, kind of like it was for Jalen Suggs. Uh, he doesn't have to be the primary ball handler at all times. Um, he, he can kind of play off the ball a little bit. Um, and Dominic Harris is probably going to kind of be in that same mold as him. So we can kind of just get straight into some roster possibilities here. I'm going to assume Joel Ayayi will go to the NBA. So in this exercise, um, we'll say Ayayi is gone from the roster. So really the only guards that are going to be confirmed at this point would be Andrew Nemhard, who should be coming back, Hunter Salas, and Dominic Harris. Nemhard, obviously the true point guard of the group. Salas and Harris, um, definitely off guards, uh, combo guards, those kinds of things. Um, Harris is the best shooter of the three. Nemhard has improved his shooting mightily over the season, which has been awesome to see. Um, and if Salas can... Even if Salas is as good a shooter as Jalen Suggs, um, that would be a positive. But with Corey Kispert graduating and Joel Iyayi likely gone, they're gonna they're <laughs> they're gonna be losing a lot of three point shooting on the perimeter next season. So um, Nemhard and Salas and Harris, those three guys are gonna have to work on that three point shooting and, and try to make up what they're losing with Kispert and Iyayi. Two of those three guys are going to start. One of them is gonna be Nemhard, no matter what. Uh, I don't know. Who's going to be that second starter? Um, obviously, Harris has been in the program for a year, so it feels like he would have a little bit of a leg up, uh, but Hunter Salas is a top 10 recruit, and so it feels like it's kind of hard to not immediately place him in the starting lineup. But uh, I think you're going to see some lineups where they go a little bit smaller, and all three of them will be on the court at the same time, give teams a little bit different dynamic to guard, especially since their roster is going to be very, very heavy on um, wings and posts. Um, they could throw a three guard small ball lineup at you um, and, and you can kind of adjust from there. Um, Watson and Anton Watson and Julian Strother, I think are probably going to be more wing players next year than they are um, post guys. And I think Chet Holmgren is probably going to play more on the perimeter um, if he were to commit than he would uh, uh, in the post. So um you could see lineup with, say, Nemhard, Harris, 
Watson, Chet Holmgren, and Drew Timmy. Like that is a realistic starting lineup. Um, Drew Timmy is probably the biggest question mark on whether or not he returns um, and whether or not he returns will influence obviously where Chet Holmgren ends up playing a majority of his minutes. Uh, if Ben Gregg gets more minutes, if Caden Perry uh, gets more minutes as a freshman, Walker Kessler is a wild card in all of this as well. If they transfer from North Carolina, if Gonzaga were to land him, um, you could be looking at a group of posts that includes Drew Timmy, Ben Gregg, Umar Balo, and Walker Kessler. Like that's four really, really highly touted um, of big men. Uh, and they're all very different. Timmy is kind of well-rounded. Um, Kessler is like a 7-1 He's not necessarily a bruiser, but he can get in there and, and bounce with everybody, um, and he can stretch the floor a little bit. But the, the real stretch big of that group would be Ben Gregg. Uh, he's kind of in that Killian Tilly mold. And then Umar Balo is just the, the physical presence inside uh, who's just going to uh, kind of plow over other guys. But I think overall the roster is going to need one more guard, uh, and I think the coaching staff is aware of that as well. Um, Nemhard, Salas, and Harris obviously are all good, uh, but you're going to need a fourth guard on this roster, uh, whether it's Aaron Cook coming back for a sixth season in college, which, I mean, he could. I doubt that he will, uh, but the transfer portal is loaded with players at this point, and I think Gonzaga is going to be very active on that front. The last thing that I'll mention about the roster is um, if they do get... Chet Holmgren and Hunter Salas and Walker Kessler. There's probably going to be some scholarship issues. And the one thing I'll say about that is that scholarships always seem to work themselves out. So I wouldn't worry about, hey, what's going to happen if all three of these guys commit? You take the talent and the scholarships will work themselves out at the end. Up next, we're going to preview the Creighton game. The Blue Jays, the Zags. You remember, they put on two pretty entertaining games the last couple of years when they had a home-and-home home series. What does this one have in store for us? We'll find out. If you want to bet on the game, betonline.ag is the place to go. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. College basketball, the NBA, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. Now it's time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is Mint Brownie versus Coconut Puff. Go to BuiltBar.com or go to at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Hey, football fans, are you ready for the NFL Draft? Join Locked On NFL Draft hosts Trevor Sykema and Benjamin Solak as they give you their latest positional rankings and analysis on the 2021 Draft Prospects with team-centric guest mocks right around the corner. 
Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're going to end the show today with Creighton. A little Creighton preview for the Sweet 16. Blue Jays enter their first ever Sweet 16. Well, not their first ever. It's They made one Sweet 16, but they were basically placed in it. It was before the, the field expanded to 64 teams, so they didn't actually win to get to the Sweet 16. This is the first time they've ever actually advanced by a, a win to the Sweet 16 in school history. They're 22-8. and eight. Uh, They beat UC Santa Barbara in the first round by a point after the Gauchos missed a layup in the final seconds, and then they went on to beat a 13-seed Ohio team, 72-58 to in the second round. General uh, stuff about the Creighton Blue Jays is that they're very, very old. Two fifth-year seniors in the starting lineup, one regular senior, two juniors. Uh, All five starters, average in double figures, Four of the five of them have the green light to shoot threes whenever they want. Uh, and then their starting center is doesn't shoot threes, and their backup center doesn't shoot any threes either. But they're, the four of the five guys that play on the perimeter can all shoot it, and they'll all shoot it whenever they want to. So we'll try to kind of go through all their personnel here. Uh, let's start with the superstar, Marcus Zagorowski. He's their point guard. He's their leading scorer at 15.5 points a game. He's their leading assist man. He leads the team in made threes, and he leads the team in three-point percentage of 42%. He does everything. He's one of the best players in the tournament. He scored in double figures in 26 of his 28 games this year. Uh, he gets to the rim. He shoots it from anywhere. He's really, really good in ball screens, creating both for himself and for others. Um, he's a really good lob passer to Christian Bishop, who's their center. Um, he, he's pretty much going to do what he does in this game. Um, so in my mind, the key for Gonzaga it's to make his life difficult, of course, uh, but I think more importantly, it's to, to not let his teammates get hot from deep and make this uh, a little bit more of a dangerous game. And that starts with Mitch Ballack. He's a 6'5 lefty, uh, and he, <laughs> he literally has a green light from everywhere. I mean, you can go look up his highlights. He has shot several shots and made them from the logo at half court. Um, he's 40% from three-point uh, range. He's got the best effective field goal percentage in the Big East this season. But he's also, I mean, he's an interesting player. He, he, he can drive the basketball. He's actually a pretty good driver, but he doesn't look to drive and score. Uh, he's looking when he drives to set up other teammates. Um, and it, it seems sometimes that he's actually allergic to shooting two-point shots. Uh, just both if you watch the game and if you look at the stats. I mean, he shoots over six threes a game and he's shooting fewer than two twos. But when you watch him play, he's actually a pretty decent driver. So um, on his drives, expect him to either kick out to teammates or dump it off to, to Bishop inside or their backup center, um, as opposed to, to drawing fouls and getting to the rim himself. If it were up to me, uh, those two players, Zagorowski and Balak, would be shooting the majority of their shots. Um, but Denzel Mahoney and Damian Jefferson on some nights both think that they're the best player on the court. And sometimes that can be a detriment, a detriment to Creighton, especially uh, in their efficiency. Both guys average a touch over 12 game. Um, Jefferson is actually a pretty good slasher outside of Zagorowski. He's probably their best downhill attacking threat getting to the rim. Um, he's, a, he's certainly a capable three-point shooter, but he doesn't shoot it nearly as much as the other guys um, he's 
He's one of those guys that you can give a little bit of a gap to to prevent the drive, um, and then you just got to keep him off the offensive glass because he's a really good offensive rebounder. Denzel Mahoney is probably he's the most interesting player on this team, and he's also the most inefficient player on this team. He's taken more shots than any player on the roster, and he has the worst shooting percentage of anyone on the roster at just 36%. Uh, he's had just an up-and-down season. He's been all over the place. He had a really, really good stretch of games in the middle of the season, uh, but the last you know 10 to 12 games or so, he struggled mightily. Uh, he was 1 for 10 from deep against Georgetown in the Big East Championship, and then he's 4 for 14 from deep in the two tournament games. So I guess it's very possible uh, if you're a law of averages person that maybe he's due for just a huge breakout game from three-point range. But I think Gonzaga would probably prefer him to to shoot a bunch of shots right now um, that he's kind of ice cold as opposed to giving up a bunch of easy looks to Balak and Zagorowski. So I would say Gonzaga is probably content with Mahoney being the one guy um, who, if for some reason he puts up 20 points, you know, power to him. Christian Bishop is their six, six foot seven starting center, and he is a pure pick and roll, lob, dunk, finisher uh, type of player. Um, super, super good athlete. He's going to score basically 12 to 15 points every single night, but he's not going to take over a game and score 20 plus. Uh, his backup is a, is a, he's a true seven footer, but he's also a freshman. Um, he typically plays 10 to 15 minutes. He's kind of in that same mold, but he's not as good of a finisher. Um, and he's really the only bench player on Creighton with any consistent role. Um, their backup guards, their backup wings, they play very sparingly. And it's basically every single bit of their scoring this season has come from the starting five. So I guess the biggest question for Gonzaga is how do you start that or how do you guard that starting five? Uh, they run a lot of ball screens and they're just they're really just looking to drive and kick. Like that's the offense. Drive to the rim, kick to shooters, play off of that. Um, when I watched the Gonzaga-Creighton game from the 2018-2019 season, um, and just to kind of get a sense, because that Creighton team pretty much has the same roster makeup as this Creighton team where they had an undersized big and four shooters surrounding him. So how exactly did Gonzaga guard that team? And can that give us any sort of insight in how this Gonzaga team would guard this Creighton team? So... When Brandon Clark was on the floor um, on, in that game, Gonzaga switched everything one through five, no matter what the ball screens were, because um, they had that, that ability with Brandon Clark's versatility to do so. But when Philip Petrushev came into the game, uh, they did some hard hedging and some recovering. So they didn't switch anything in ball screens with Petrushev uh, because they didn't trust him in those mismatches with guards. And if you saw what Oklahoma was doing in their in the second round game against Gonzaga. They were trying to get switches onto Drew Timmy and let Austin Reeves go one-on-one -on -one with Drew Timmy. It's going to be interesting to see what Gonzaga does in this game uh, when Drew Timmy is on the court. I think it's pretty obvious when Anton Watson is at the five and Drew Timmy is on the bench that they'll probably switch everything. When Drew Timmy is on the court, I'm not sure they're going to be switching one through five and putting Timmy on either Zagorowski or Balak or Jefferson, uh, because I think they'll uh, either definitely Balak and Zagorowski will pull up and shoot in his face. Um, and 
Jefferson will probably try to drive downhill on him. So I would imagine, if I um, were to guess, that Timmy is probably going to be doing a lot of hard hedging and recovering. Um, and if that leads to some open shooters earlier in the game, then obviously they can adjust. I'm sure they'll mix up their coverages throughout the game. They always do. But if I were to guess to start the game, I think they're going to be doing um, some hedge and recover just because uh, Bishop is just a pure role guy, like I said earlier, um, a pick and roll guy, not like a role player, um, but a pick and roll guy. And he's not a pick and pop threat like Brady Manic was. So uh, you can get away with hedging and recovering as long as all of your rotations on the back end are sharp. The other thing about Creighton is that they like to get up and down the floor, but they're not as good, they're not as good as it as Gonzaga is. So um, they tried to outrun Gonzaga in those two games in their home and home series, and it didn't go well for either of those games. They gave up 91 points three years ago. They gave up 103 points two years ago. So really, to me, the biggest question surrounding this entire game is how in the world can they slow down Gonzaga? Because I'm really not sure they can. Um, like I said earlier, Christian Bishop is their starting center and he's only 6'7", and he's not going to be able to guard Timmy one-on-one. -on -one. Like he, he simply can't do that. Brady Manick couldn't do it at 6'7". Bishop is much more athletic than Manick was, but he's giving up you know three inches to Timmy. And so that's not a, a matchup that Creighton is going to want one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. In those two Creighton games in 2018-2019, you might remember... Uh, that Zach Norvell had those huge second halves um, and kind of got that microwave nickname going on. Uh, but really, it was the big men in those two games that dominated the entire time. Um, Jonathan Williams, Killian Tilly, Rui Hachimura, Brandon Clark, all four of those guys in those two games had 20-plus points. And I really don't see any way that Drew Timmy doesn't get to 20-plus points unless he's in, you know, straddled the bench in foul trouble. Um, and those four guys, they did it with a lot of early post-ups and they did it with ball screens, just like what this team does. Um, and I think Creighton's also really susceptible to slips uh, because they won't switch one through five most of the time. Um, they'll do some hard hedge and recover. So um, Gonzaga will probably get a few slips throughout the game um, for some easy buckets. And Timmy and Anton Watson excel at knowing when defenses are overplaying and when they can slip to the basket. Creighton also doesn't force many turnovers. They're also not a very good rebounding team. They also are one of the worst free throw shooting teams of the country at 64%. Um, so, I mean, those three things don't lend themselves to competing with the number one overall seed who's also undefeated. Uh, I said earlier that uh, this Creighton team kind of has a similar roster makeup to uh, those 18 and 19 Creighton teams. And uh, I mentioned the points that they gave up in the 2018 game, Gonzaga scored 1.22 points per possession. And in the 2019 game, they scored 1.36 points per possession. Creighton really hasn't changed the, the way that they play since then. They still really don't have any interior size. And so I'm really not sure why we should expect really any different results from Gonzaga's offense from that perspective. However, Creighton's offensive talent is very, very, very legit. And when they all play well together, it can be very scary. Um, and that kind of that 2019 team was in the same mold at the start of the year. They kind of went downhill by the end of the season, but um, they came out 
They had one big guy, Martin Crample, and they surrounded him with four shooters. They came out and hit 14 threes against Gonzaga in that game, and they had a double-digit lead in the first half before Gonzaga ended up uh, pulling away late in the second half. So I think bottom line here is that a lot has to go right for Creighton to win this game. Uh, I think it's very possible. I wouldn't say very possible. I would say it is possible that all four Creighton shooters get hot on the same night. I guess same morning, um, and they hit you know twelve to fourteen threes again, and they simply outscore Gonzaga um, because I think really that's the only way they're going to win this game, um, unless with these multiple days of prep, maybe uh, Coach McDermott comes up with some sort of special defense that Gonzaga hasn't seen this year. Uh, but if they're going to play the regular style and Denzel Mahoney doesn't find his shooting stroke that has been lost for eight to 10 games now, I think Gonzaga is going to beat them. And honestly, it may not be that close. And with that, I think that's enough talking for me today. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to talk about Jalen Suggs a lot. Brenna Green from Creme 2 in Spokane did a great feature on Suggs and who he dedicates every game to. So we're going to play that story. Uh, I'm going to give some of my thoughts on what Suggs has meant to Gonzaga and also what Gonzaga has meant to Jalen Suggs. And then we'll talk with Brenna. Uh, she'll be on the show, and she's going to give some of her thoughts on Suggs as well, and then also some thoughts on the NCAA tournament as she gets ready to head to Indianapolis. Don't forget, you can rate and subscribe to the Locked on Zags podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you feel like, feel free to leave a review for me. You can also follow me on Twitter at SCARGO, and you can follow the podcast at Locked on Zags. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. And always remember, it's a great day to be a Zag.